This is Gliza for Classical Adventures for One, where I read classical work dramatically and discuss things about that work that I find interesting and want to share with my listeners. If that's something that you're into, stick around and let's talk about fictional books of the past. Today's dramatic reading was Chapter 2, The Pool of Tears. And if you haven't heard it and you're interested in hearing it, you can find it in the links below. If you're listening through my website or through YouTube, you would have seen today's artwork. Today's art pieces from the dramatic reading and the one from the discussion here were created by Satoshi and his work is totally amazing. As you can see with just the two pieces I've showcased today. I'm always blown away with his work. He is definitely super talented and you would be depriving yourself of just wonderful, exquisite art if you don't go to his website, which is also linked below. Seriously guys, go to it. I swear you won't regret it. Speaking of art. A lot of the art that we enjoy today is a result of someone looking at another person and then suddenly being struck with inspiration. The kind that end up resulting in such masterpieces that last way past the lifetime of the creator and the inspiration. And it's not just through paintings and drawings that we can see this great work, we see it in music as well so many songs that have names of people in their titles. Now, I'm not saying this is exquisite art and I don't know who Hey Mickey is dedicated to or who it's inspired from, but I sing that song all the time. Especially to my husband, who is also named Michael. Oh, he hates it. He hates it so much. I'm thinking it's a mixture of it's an annoying song and I'm a terrible singer, but am I gonna stop? Not anytime soon. There's also Billie Jean by Michael Jackson, literally one of my favorite songs ever. I know a lot of people will agree with me on this. That is a gosh dang classic. It really does make you wonder though who these people are. And I'm sure it's been discussed many times by other people more capable than me, but today we're going to be discussing the muse of Alice in Wonderland, none other than the famous Alice Little, who she was, what kind of friendship she had with the author, and anything that I find super interesting to talk about. I honestly think that if Alice had never begged Charles Ludwig Dodson or Lewis Carroll, to have the book written down, we would never have heard about the dreamy adventures of Alice in Wonderland. Without Alice, there literally would have been no Wonderland. Alice Pleasance Little, 
Hargreaves after marriage, was born on May 4, 1852, and she was the fourth child, as well as the second daughter, of the Dean from Christ Church College, Henry George Little and Lorena Little. Alice had three older siblings, Harry, Lorena, and Arthur, with Arthur passing away in 1853. As for her younger siblings, they were Edith, Rhoda, Violet, Eric, Lionel, and James, who also died quite young. It was with Lorena and Edith that Alice went on that famous boat trip with, and in fact, these sisters appeared in the story too. Lorena was Lori, and Edith was the eaglet that appeared in the second chapter of this book. So, how did our author meet Alice and her sisters? Well, it was around the beginning of the year 1856. Henry Little moved into the deanery at Christ Church, and Charles was a sub-librarian, and his window was just overlooking the garden where Alice and her sisters used to play. Frederica Little, Alice's cousin, was actually the first Little that Charles met as he had done a sketch of her. But he eventually did meet the Little family during a train trip, and a couple of months later, Charles and Alice finally met during a photo session with one of his friends while photographing the Christchurch Cathedral. He officially met her and her sisters properly on June 3rd when he was asked to take a picture of them by her family. That was the start of their friendship with Alice, Lorena, and Edith visiting Charles regularly. However, while he formed a strong friendship with the girls, Charles didn't really get along with their parents as well. Some think it was because of Mrs. Little considering his social status to be too low, or because he often opposed the Dean Little's way of running Christchurch College, it got really bad to the point that Mrs. Little even burnt all his early letters to Alice. There was a little bit of a clue though that we can find in Charles's diaries about when it first started that he became out of Mrs. Little's good graces as it were. He had mentioned a Lord Newry's business. Basically, the business involved a ball that was held by Lord Newry and Mrs. Little wanted to lift the curfew for that night as she was interested in having one of her daughters marry Lord Newry, but Charles was opposed to the whole thing. Not the marriage, but the lifting of the curfew. Yet the visits to the deanery continued in spite of the rocky relationship that Charles had with Alice's parents, and they even went on expeditions together with the children's parents, and those days were recorded as happy days, for he went back by foot with the children. On June 27, 1863, in his diary, Charles had written that he had urged to send the children to be pictured. But that sentence in that diary remained unfinished, and there seemed to be a page missing. The next written record began on June 30th, where he mentioned that the Littles were leaving for a summer holiday, and they weren't mentioned again until December 5th, where he said that though he saw them at some theatrical event, he remained aloof from them, something that he has apparently been doing all term. Nobody really knows what happened between June 27th to the 29th, 
but it must have been important enough to remove it from his diary. And of course, there were a lot of people who were curious about what could have happened that could have soured the whole relationship between Charles and the girls. There were some speculations and claims, of course, as to why the friendship ended. One of the most famous claims was that maybe Charles had proposed to Alice and was rejected and was subsequently banned from the deanery. Lorena, who was 81 at that time when the rumors started circulating, stated in a letter to Alice that she decided to go along with the story saying that one had to give some reason for all the intercourse seizing, basically for all their conversations to stop happening. So she confirmed with the Florence Becker Lennon, who was writing Lewis Carroll's biography at that time, that Charles' advances towards Alice became too affectionate as she grew older and that their mother spoke to him about it and that had eventually offended him. However, there were also rumors that it was not actually Alice that Charles expressed affection for. There was a note that was written by Violet Dodgson, his niece, that summarized the important contents of the pages that were cut and censored from Mr. Dodgson's library. The note makes mention that Mrs. Little had apparently found out that he was using the children to get close to their governess. However, though there had been gossip circulating about their governess, Miss Prickett, back in 1857, Charles wrote in his diary that that was nothing but a groundless rumor. One more rumor from that note is that Charles was not actually interested in courting Alice but Lorena as there were mentions of him actually interested in Ina, the nickname of the elder sister and vice versa. An interesting note to make here is that Lorena is also the name of Mrs. Little. However, whether he did actually court a Lorena or not, and whether this is the reason for the breakup of friendship between the Little sisters and Charles, there have really been no evidence and the break to this day is still a matter of mystery. It is kind of interesting to me though that it seemed that the whole break and fallout may have had nothing to do with Alice at all. As for Alice, our heroine, not only was she the muse of a very famous story that has lasted to this day, it was also rumored that there was a romance that had occurred between Prince Leopold, the youngest son of Queen Victoria and Alice that had happened when she was 20 years old and he, an undergraduate from 1872 to 1876 at Christ Church. However, as Alice was considered a commoner, a marriage was not really in the books. I think it's hilarious that Alice named her first son Leopold with the prince himself becoming the child's godfather and Prince Leopold also calling his daughter Alice. But who knows, maybe they were just really good friends and not everything has to be about romance, right? Anyway, Alice did eventually get married to a Reginald Hargreaves and though Charles was not present at her wedding, he did send her a gift. She had three sons and lived as a well-educated landlady. In 1928, Alice eventually sold her manuscript of Alice's Adventures Underground, 
because apparently she needed some money to pay some sort of death duties after the death of her husband. It was sold at £15,400, which is equivalent to about £77,000 or about US dollars today. It went to an American dealer named Dr. Rosenbach, and it changed a couple of hands before finally being donated to the British Museum in 1948 as a token of gratitude for Britain's stand against Adolf Hitler during World War II. Alice's role as Muse was well known during her lifetime, and she even made the trip to New York once to celebrate the 100-year anniversary of Charles's birth. At that time, she was made a doctor in literature by Columbia University. However, this was to be her last engagement in regards to Wonderland, as at that point, she had already become very exhausted of being Alice in Wonderland, as mentioned in one of her letters to her older sister. And let me read that to you. She had mentioned, But, oh my dear, I'm getting tired of being Alice in Wonderland. Does it sound ungrateful? It is, only I do get tired. Honestly, if I was in her shoes, I wouldn't blame her. I can only really thank her for being one of the reasons this classical work came to life. Again, I super want to thank Lenny from AliceInWonderland.net for allowing me to use his website as a source for this. Much of the heavy lifting and the facts that you have heard are taken from that website, which is linked below if you're interested in checking out that website. And it's totally, again, a must visit for any Wonderland fans out there. Definitely thank you guys for joining me on this adventure. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please remember to subscribe, like, and share if you found this episode interesting. I would love to hear from you, so please leave a comment below if you have anything that you want me to know or tips to improve on. If you're listening to it anywhere else, please subscribe, like, and share it to people you think might like it anyway. And you can also email me at classicalgliza at gmail.com. Again, I'm Gliza, and this has been Classical Adventures for One. See you on the next adventure. Thank you.